Chief Justice and the Associate Justices of the Supreme Court of the United States. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Students don't shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Our voices matter because we're the ones best equipped to tell our own stories. Student journalism matters. This is Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate, the New Voices podcast. My name is Mike Simmons. I'm a member of the Scholastic Press Rights Committee, uh, and I teach and advise the Tesserae Yearbook in Corning Painted Post, New York, upstate. Uh, it's a pleasure today to welcome Kathy Schreier uh, from Washington State to the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself in the interview, but Kathy was a member of the coalition in Washington State that fought the long fight, the good fight, and brought uh, Washington a new voices law signed by their Governor Inslee uh, back in March, uh, uh, March 21st of 2018. Uh, she goes into uh, a good bit of detail about the history of the fight and also some of the things that uh, worked for them as far as allies and advocates. And I think you'll find the interview uh, insightful, especially if you are somebody with an active New Voices campaign on your hands or somebody, uh, perhaps an advisor or uh, a student journalism staff, uh, if you're looking to start an active campaign uh, in your state, uh, listen to Kathy's words of advice. Uh, she's a uh, just an absolute all-star, and she and the entire team in Washington uh, need to be lifted up and commended for uh, their their diligence and resilience in getting the law passed. I want to remind you uh, on the front side that uh, the Scholastic Press Rights Committee uh, is available to you online at jeasprc.org. There you can find the panic button that uh, students, you can get at all of us on the uh, SPRC uh, if you've got an emergency or are facing censorship or prior review, you've got concerns uh, with your uh, administration or are concerned for your advisor, uh, never hesitate to reach out and contact the SPRC through that panic button. And two, uh, Kathy lifts them up in the interview, but uh, we've always got to give a shout out to our friends uh, over at the Student Press Law Center uh, down in Washington. You can find them online at splc.org uh, and online at, at splc. Uh, they're absolutely phenomenal, uh, phenomenal resource, and their executive director, Hadar Harris, is uh, soon to be a guest on this podcast. We'll have her uh, coming up uh, maybe in a week or so. Uh, but for now, here's my conversation with Washington Journalism Education Association Executive Director, Kathy Schreier. All right, joining me on Conversations at the Schoolhouse Gate today is Kathy Schreier uh, in Washington. Kathy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. Um, for folks who aren't familiar with you and your work in Washington, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and about your past with scholastic journalism? Sure. Um, well, many years ago, we're, we're looking at mid-70s now, um, I was a student at the University of Wisconsin majoring in journalism and in my junior year took a class called Scholastic Journalism. Um, just because I needed a class and it sounded interesting. And it took my, my life plan off course in terms of doing be, graduating and becoming an actual journalist. 
Um, and I went into the education direction and did student teaching in a journalism classroom in Dubuque, Iowa, um, and ended up being offered a position at the school where I was teaching and taught then in Dubuque uh, for two years before moving to Seattle. I'm originally from the Washington uh, area, so so it was nice to get back to the West Coast. I did not teach journalism again until the mid-90s because I ended up going into publishing and uh, worked as a publisher, always missed teaching, felt like I needed to do it again, went back, got recertified to teach in the mid-90s and then took a job teaching journalism in your book, uh, newspaper in your book, and English in an inner city high school. And that's when I became involved with WJEA. And presently, what capacity do you serve in there? Um, I served in, on the board while I was teaching um, and then left teaching to take a job with the Washington News Council, but I remained with involved with WJEA. Um, when I, my presidency of WJEA ended, it's a, was a, uh, I was for four years president of the organization. I then became the executive director, which I've been doing now since 2000, oh gosh, 2006 or seven, something like that. And was the news council, is that like a, a state press association at the professional level? Uh, the news council was an a nonprofit organization that um, tried to hold the, the press accountable. Uh, it was a media ethics um, organization, oh, okay. Okay. and uh, it was a really interesting thing to get to do, and I'm very fortunate. Unfortunately, it had to close because the executive director retired and it was kind of a one-man show, and he, uh, they just, the board couldn't find anybody to replace him, so... Got it. And I, I couldn't take it on. So I went uh, back and got my master's in, in education. And uh, But I've remained active at the state level for WJEA ever since. So help us jump in the time machine a little bit. Um, I was keen to have you uh, on the podcast early in its run because of the... Uh, the legacy and, and the persistence with which uh, scholastic journalism allies in Washington came to the the new voices fight. Um, the, the fight goes way back long before there was uh, the modern, at least in name, the modern new voices movement. Um, right. and, and if I have it correct, it, it starts with, among others, uh, Fern Valentine in the early 90s. And certainly we've got a lot of territory to cover, but if you could just break down some of the, the milestones for us. Uh, where where did this all begin in, in Washington State? Well, it really began with Dorothy McPhillips, who okay. was an early president of our state organization and went on to become president of JEA. And she, from the very beginning, felt that legislation was um, was the pathway to really seeing things change for our student journalists in this country. And um, so she really pressed for thinking about that. And after Hazelwood, of course, there were states that uh, did pass legislation. And she was at the forefront of you know, trying to encourage states to do that. 
um, in the early 90s, Fern Valentine, who you referred to, um, was teaching at Auburn High School in uh, south of Seattle. And she became very active in WJEA. And um, she was one of the, one of the first uh, folks in our organization who really worked hard to see legislation pass in our state. So they tried in 92 to get uh, a bill passed, but it didn't make it all the way through. When, when did the, the fight next uh, get, get picked up? Well, it kind of, kind of went on to the, the back burner through the 90s. Um, okay. And, but there was always sort of this talk of trying to resurrect it, but also trying to make sure that the, the ducks were in the right kind of a row to make it happen. Right. Um, and finally in 2005, might have been 2004 when the first meeting took place, um, a student at Green River Community College who was a Running Start student who was simultaneously edit, the editor of his high school paper, Running Start is a high school to college program where you're getting credits at a community college while you're in high school. Okay. Editor of his high school paper and his community college paper at the same time, Brian Schramm is his name, um, met a legislator who came to campus and they were having some issues with the administration there and the, the student press. And Brian suggested to Dave Uptegrove, um, the, the uh, he was in the House, our House of uh, Representatives, that we should have um, a bill in our state. And he gave him his reasons why. And Dave Uptegrove took it on and did an incredible job of sponsoring a bill for us in 2005. And we, between 2005 and 2007, we tried twice to, to get the bill all the way through and we would make it through the house, but not make it through the Senate or we just wouldn't get a hearing. There were just, you know, always something came up, but it, the hardest part was it was also a very uh, partisan bill. And since Dave was a Democrat, um, the Republicans wouldn't vote for it. So so it was really a challenge because we could not get bipartisan support and we just were not able to get it through at that time. So let me um, let, let's add a little bit of color here, because if I heard correctly, you came back to the classroom in the mid 90s into a journalism classroom. Correct. Um, let's pause the, the new voices discussion just for a moment and step out to look at censorship in Washington state. Um, I, I saw a headline this morning about is in a different state, like censorship is is kind of always there. It's, it's, it's kind of in the ether and it pops up in, you know, Utah or Illinois or New York or Vermont. But what, what was the state, uh, what, what, what was the, 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 the support level like if, if there was any kind of um, characterizing it for across the state? I don't know if that's hard to do or, but were there many cases of censorship in, in and about that time that, that lended credence to the need for the law, aside from it just being a great idea in the first place, right? You and I think it's a fantastic idea, but was there a reaction to censorship that was, was being faced by student journalists at the time? Well, I'll tell you, there 
reason I got involved with the Student Press Rights Committee and JEA was because of a really egregious um, instance of censorship in the Everett School District, just north of Seattle. Um, and I, you know, I, it's kind of a long story, but there was real unfair censorship um, with when students chose to write about a new principal coming on board, having been the third choice of the student. Of, there was a, there were three selection committees. One was students, one was teachers, one was parents. And this particular principal who was hired had been the last choice of the student interview committee. And when the student press reported that, the new principal was not amused and um, told them that she wanted to um, impose prior review. The students refused to publish if they had to submit to prior review. It, this happened to also be the oldest student newspaper in the state of Washington, and they had never had any kind of censorship. So the student editors in, ran a picture of themselves with duct tape on their mouths with the, the word censored across the front page. It wow. ended up being a terrible standoff. And, and in the end, the students sued the school district for infringement. And the case um, what took about two years before the case was finally ready to go to trial. Uh, in the meantime, other schools in the same district had stopped publishing in solidarity. Wow. Um, this teacher who was advising that paper, all, all she ever did really was give them resource information. She was um, taken out of her position, told she couldn't teach journalism in the district and was sent to another school to teach English. Another teacher at one of the other schools that was in solidarity um, was also removed from her position when her students chose to start an underground paper. And, and she was accused of allowing them to download articles from her classroom computers okay. on flash drives. So it, it, was a, it wasn't pretty. The students ended up settling um, with the district, but we, it didn't actually go to trial. Right. Um, so that's, so that was the worst. And then there have been others that we just felt like we had to, we had to get something that was clarifying the law so that we wouldn't have these, uh, cases coming up. Now, as we learned in a previous episode, um, interviewing Steve Listopad, a name I know you know, uh, in his work with his class up in North Dakota, it was about the same time that that class was working on the civics project and got the North Dakota uh, bill uh, moving uh, at, at any rate. Right. Um, what happened in Washington um, soon after 2007, or was there another hiatus there for a little while? When did we get into the the, the most recent uh, and then thankfully successful uh, fight and campaign? Well, we were all inspired by North Dakota. Um, and the trick, of course, if, you, if you're playing this game of trying to pass legislation is to get a really dynamic um, advocate and, and sponsor. <clears throat> and, um, and so we were always on the, on the lookout for, for somebody who could really take 
or a bill and and have a passion for it. And uh, they're very busy people, these legislators. And, yes. you know, you need to have somebody who will commit the time and the energy to to back, you know, back room conversations and, um, you know, playing the game to try to get get it um, on the at the forefront. Right. And finally, we did find that person in uh, Joe Fain, who is a senator from the Auburn area, which is also where Fern Valentine taught. And he happened to be inspired by um, going to a classroom and spending time. He was going to stay for half an hour. He stayed for two hours in Tom Kaup's classroom, which happens to be the same classroom where Fern Valentine taught many years before Tom mm. is now teaching in that, in her her old position. So um, Joe Fain was very inspired and he took on our legislation and did an amazing job of keeping it going and teaching us, you know, what we needed to do. And he's only in his mid thirties. So, I, you know, it was just incredible to um, have his involvement and uh, he did, an amazing, masterful job of making it a bipartisan bill. We, um, I've, I've got to interject. We in New York um, really found a, a just a firecracker of a lead sponsor in the um, New York State Assembly and Donna Lupardo, awesome. and um, she is, she's just something else, and and very much knows the ways and means of operating in the Capitol, um, which was interesting for me. And, and I'm wondering if if you could reflect on the same things that that we. Um, advice that we picked up, uh, perhaps even from you all in, in Washington and from other states, um, strategies to implement things like that. When we met with uh, Assemblywoman Lupardo and her staff and we said, you know, could we try X, Y, Z? She's like, oh, no, 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 no. Please don't do that because that doesn't work with our legislators. And I found that to be really interesting um, yeah. that, that each state is, can be very different in, in yeah. the, the halls of power, if you will. Um, That's why it's so hard for anybody to write a how-to book. Um, sure. because every every situation is so different and each time we tried this it was a different situation and much of it has to do you know with the personality of the person that you're connected with in in the body yeah, um, yeah. I, I think too uh, a word of advice for listeners if if you have the opportunity in an active campaign or one that you're about to start there's a good chance that there are state legislators who themselves were high school journalists yeah. and and to find them and to say, you know, th these kids that I'm working with as an advisor are what you used to be and we need your support. It just so happens that Assemblywoman Lupardo, um, I, I put it to her, I said, why, why are you so passionate about this for us? I don't want to look a gift horse in the mouth. This is amazing. But what's what's your angle? And she said, I, I was the editor of an underground newspaper during the Vietnam War. And wow. uh, that was just it just lit me up. And uh it was uh, it was a really nice uh, loop to close, if you will, just to know that that we she really got it, if you will, it does get it. She's still with us, excuse me. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So so you got in with Joe Fain, um, yes. but the story wasn't done there because we had a couple of close calls before success, right? Yep. Uh, so talk we did. me through that a little bit. Well, um, we made it through the. It was a, this same kind of thing where we made it through the Senate. It, um, the last time it had been the House, this time it was the Senate. We made it through, um, and then we got to the House, and we happened to be assigned to the Education Committee. 
and um, we just uh, were unable to get a vote. Um, we made it through committee, but then we couldn't get a vote on the floor um, the first time. And uh, so the, we just had to keep trying. Um, when you talk about people having had journalism experience, I just want to throw this in really quick. Um, somebody we found um, was very, very helpful to us was the, the lobbyist for the state teachers um, association. And it just so happened that she had been a state um, or had been a student journalist. And so because she was a paid lobbyist, she was there all the time, um, talking to people all the time, being paid to do so. I mean, none of us had were getting any kind of compensation for the time that we put in. So we couldn't just go down and hang out in Olympia um, talking to legislators all day. But she that's what she was doing. And giving us inside information all the time about what was on people's minds and where they were at and what they, you know, what they were leaning toward and some of the things she was hearing, you know, that might, issues that we might want to address as we were talking about the, uh, the legislation. So, yeah. You talk about information there um, and and folks who were either along for the ride with you, uh, sources of information. Who, just briefly, were some of the allies that you enlisted uh, beyond the immediate group of advisors? I know that you were very good about putting students in the driver's seat and having them uh, offer testimony, personal experience. Um, I think you had a couple of college. uh, I I think I I remember, I think if I had this right, I was watching your live stream uh, back in maybe February or so, and there were students giving testimony, but um, advisors, students, Senator Fain, who else made up your, your coalition and, and, and group of allies? Well, uh, we had initially mixed, you know, mixed reaction from the professional press, which I found was kind of curious, um, but they came around. Um, the, in 2000, I've, I guess it was that try. It's, it all meshes together sometimes. The Seattle Times actually came out against the legislation. Really? Oh yeah. And we, you know, went storming into their edit, you know, their editorial meeting, and there were just some super, you know, hard nuts to crack in that in that group. Um, you know, why should students have more First Amendment rights and the professional press who have to answer to a publisher. And they, it was really hard for some of them to get that it's not the case, this the same kind of a situation when you're dealing with the First Amendment in a public school. <laughs> it's not right. it's not a work for hire situation where right. you're working for a publisher. Um, but they came around this last time and came out for the bill. Um, and then the other press in the state Again, we have some very conservative press on the the eastern side of the state. Some of the community papers over there, you know, came out against against it, or they were just sort of non-committal. Um, but then we had some really great advocacy from others, like the News Tribune, which is in Tacoma, Washington, was a really strong ally, and the Spokesman Review in Spokane. Um, also supported the bill. So so the press was important, um, but it wasn't always 
you know, it was frustrating to, to keep everybody on board. And, and in the end, uh, we did, and it made a difference. Um, other allies, well, I can't say that the school administrators were ever allies, but we were able to turn them around so that they became more neutral toward the bill. Okay. Um, I think when it finally soaked in that it meant that they would not be uh, liable for content. Right. Um, it started to it started to make more sense to them, I guess, um, right. why it is actually a good thing. And that one's really hard for, I'm sorry to jump on you. That one's really yeah. hard for administrators to understand that mm-hmm. they, they think that they need to maintain control so they can protect the name of the school, the name of the district, but in do so doing, they open themselves up to far more liability. Exactly. Um, and, but it's, it is, I get, I get it. I, <laughs> it's a little bit counterintuitive, right? Less control yeah. for them is, is better protection for them. But anyhow, sorry, you were going on about allies. Well, no, that's, but that's exactly right. And it, it's almost like, all of a sudden a light bulb went on or right. something maybe in one of their board meetings or I don't know where, where or when it happened, but the, the last time the bill was introduced and the time that it finally passed was the, um, their lobbyists signed in as neutral instead of yeah. as against. Right. And that was huge. Um, so, so we're, you know, it, <sighs> It was funny the last time we tried to pass the bill and we event and we did succeed. We heard that the bill was being referred to in the legislation in the legislature as the zombie bill. Oh, it would never die. We would just not go away. <laughs> we just kept coming back. Yep. And so we we kind of loved that. We thought that was yeah. pretty cool to be considered the, the zombie bill. Well, and let's talk about that resilience uh, a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't want to go too deep into the weeds on on what made you know the last time different than others, aside from having the, the stars align. And maybe you just noted it with the administrators coming in as neutral with their lobbying group. But <clears throat> this, yeah. for all of you in Washington, was such a story of persistence and resilience. I, I had the pleasure of being in the room with you in San Francisco and celebrating you all in uh, last April. Um, and hearing from you, I think Tom shared a bit about the campaign. I think if I remember correctly, maybe Fern stood up and spoke a little bit um, in that kind of our, our impromptu New Voices Summit. Um, what what advice do you have for other campaigns, other advisors out there to to stick to it? And 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 maybe it's a what kept you going or where you found that that strength. I, I don't want to be melodramatic about it, but this was a big fight, and I'm sure there were some tears shed of, of happiness when it finally po- uh, passed. Um, Talk to me about that resilience and, and persistence. Well, to be perfectly honest, um, this this last time when we when we passed it, I was I went into that with just, you know, I I just it was all I could do to get myself to do it again. Really? Okay. <laughs> I mean, because it's so devastating to work so hard and to just get crushed over, you know, not just not being able to get a hearing or get um, a vote um, after you have all this wonderful testimony and kids who, we had kids drive with their parents, get skip school, drive 400 miles to testify. And, you know, to have to, the, the idea of going through it again and having it happen again 
I mean, I maybe I'm just not as tough as Fern Valentine <laughs> because <laughs> she did it more times than I did. But I mean, I just it was really hard for me to pull myself up by my bootstraps and go at it again. But I did. Yep. And I guess it's just when you believe in something so strongly and you know you're right, um, you find the energy, you know, you just find a way to do it. And I also, when you, this goes back a little bit to what you asked earlier about uh, people who helped. I have to tell you that without the Student Press Law Center, uh, Frank yes. Belmonte and my key stand, um, who also, my gosh, my key stand drove how many times from Ferndale, Washington, which is at the north north part of the state, all the way down to Olympia to testify and then clarified the language in the bill to to just this beautiful, in a beautiful way that makes it so clear. Um, and I just can't imagine how we ever could have done it without their help. Yeah. So I had to throw that in because no, I didn't please. mention it earlier. No, they're they're an incredible partner for all of us at at the Scholastic Press Rights Committee and JEA and student journalists and advisors the, the, the across the country and around the world. They're just an absolutely tremendous uh, group of of lawyers and thinkers and advocates. Yeah. Uh, I can't say enough about them and and Frank and Mike and now their new executive director uh, Hadar Harris, who's going to be yeah. on uh, shortly after you on on the podcast. She's going to be interviewing with us tomorrow. Right. Um, and it, just a, a phenomenal, uh, resource there for, for everyone. Let me ask you, um, for, for a, a bit of wrap up, and this is a loaded question if ever there was one, but, uh, a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of heart here, Kathy, what does the first amendment mean to you? Well, it, it means to me that, um, that we treasure our democracy enough to allow people to speak about the things that matter to them. And regardless of what what they're speaking about, just the fact that they have that right to speak is so crucial to our way of life and it's so in peril in other parts of the world. And even here recently, yes. you know, you feel the the threat of losing that is kind of, you know, there. Um, and it becomes more precious than ever. And the fact that this bill continues to pass in state after state um, shows that, that it does matter to our lawmakers. Um, and it's something that they're paying attention to more, I think, now than ever before. So it's really sort of a moment when we can grab that um, and take it somewhere. And I'm hoping that this momentum that we've been a part of is going to continue so that uh, we don't just have 14 states with this, uh, this kind of legislation passing. Uh, I guess, is that the I don't know if I answered what you asked me to I answer. think you answered it beautifully, and I think you're just as tough as Fern Valentine, my friend. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm uh, glad we passed it because I'm not sure I could do it again. It, it, it was an incredible fight, and, and I said it to you in April in San Francisco, but just congratulations once again. I, I'm in awe of, of all of you and the persistence and resilience and, and the 
the fight and the coalition that you put together, um, it, it, it's just remarkable. And I think it's a testament to the rest of us. Um, you know, I'm, I think you know a little bit about me. I'm a pretty excitable, enthusiastic guy. And I was gung ho for New York. And, and when the writing on the wall in you know, early June, uh, right at the end of our session, was that we weren't going to uh, get out of committee. It was a disappointment, but I thought of you guys immediately. I said, wait a second, I got to get over myself. We've been at this for, you know, 14 months, not 14 years. I got plenty of time left on the clock. Yes. Um, Don't give up. Don't give up. It'll happen. So, uh, well, listen, uh, friends, this has been uh, Kathy Schreier of the Washington Journalism Education Association, where she serves as executive director and advocate and uh, longtime member of the coalition that got the Washington New Voices bill passed last March. Uh, I think it was March 21st, you had said, right, with uh, Governor yep. Inslee. Um, yeah. A great day. And it was wonderful to see the photo of, of you and the other advisors and so many kids clustered around the uh, the governor's seat there in the conference room. It was truly a great day. It really was. One you'll remember for a long time. Kathy, yep. thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Michael. Take care. Take care.